0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of Slash Film.com. I'm David Chen, and with me is. Devendra Hardwar. And welcome to the show. It's just going to be us two tonight because Jeff Kanata is off uh, doing a Totally Rad Show reunion tonight. We're actually recording roughly the same time. And so, Davidra, we're playing like musical chairs in the Slash Filmcast. <laughs> Last week I wasn't here, this week Jeff's not here. Uh, rest assured, though, I'm pretty sure we're all going to be here next week. Uh, for our review of Ghost in the Shell. But yeah, the biggest just, movie of the summer. Yes. <laughs> or spring. <laughs> that movie is shaping up to be quite a disaster. I, I feel <laughs> like it's, it, I mean, Paramount's betting a lot on it, and I think they needed to make, you know, $400, $500 million for it to be a success. Uh, huh. And I think it's going to have a hard time getting to that. So we'll see what happens with that movie. Um, but yeah, I am back from vacation. I was in Hawaii for 10 days. Uh, I've learned so much. About life outside of the mainland, Indra. Like, had, why you should never come back, basically. Like, why you should never come back. I had several, uh, you, know, you know what's funny? Uh, we had several Lyft drivers, all of whom were crazy in some way. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'll have, maybe if we have an after dark, I can tell you a little bit about that. Yep. But uh, happy to be back. And happy to be back on the Slash Filmcast. And if you're just tuning in for the first time, uh, what we do here on this podcast is uh, we talk through what we've been watching, we talk through some of the week's film news, and then we conclude every week with an in depth review. This week we'll be reviewing Daniel Espinosa's newest film. Life, starring Ryan Reynolds, Rebecca Ferguson, and Jake Gyllenhaal—major all-star cast there. Uh, so, looking forward to diving into that new sci-fi thriller with you, Devendra. Find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. You can always email us at slashfilmcast@gmail.com. Before we get to any of the events of this week's episode, though, uh, we have a contest this week. Uh, we have a Blu-ray of the Martin Scorsese film *Silence* to give away. Uh, that's the, the new Blu-ray for Martin Scorsese's film, Silence. Um, Devendra, I don't think you were on our review of Silence, were you? No, I think I was you were... there. I was oh, there. Oh, you were there? Okay, okay. Yeah. We, we, all... had a, uh, we had an after dark that you weren't there for. That's right. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Blu-ray is coming out on uh, – it's actually – by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be out. Uh, and that was a beautiful film. It was nominated for – Best Cinematography at the Oscars. Uh, And it's a movie that I I certainly thought demands your attention. It's worth checking out. So Mm -hmm. uh, you're sitting at home. You're listening to this podcast. You're wondering, how can I win this silence Blu-ray? Well, to be entered in, all you got to do is email slash filmcast at gmail.com and tell us what is your most religious movie-going experience. Now, you can interpret that any way you want. Maybe it's the time you went to go see, you know, Fireproof with Kirk Cameron. <laughs> Maybe it's the time you saw the Matrix the first time. You know, yes. wh- whatever, however you want to interpret it. Uh, what is your most religious movie-going experience? You'll be entered in to win a copy of the Blu-ray. I can tell you pretty much, r- you know, right now that uh, if you just write in and uh, say one word, you know, you say, "Oh, I saw the," Ma-, or one sentence like, "I went to see the Matrix." You know, that is not going to win. Um, instead, <laughs> give us like a paragraph, a few sentences, give us some color, let us know what it is. So, email slash filmcast at gmail.com in the subject line, put silence Blu ray contest. Silence Blu ray contest in the subject how, line. How are you spelling Blu ray? BLU dash RAY. It can be either one. I'll filter uh-huh. both. Okay. Silence Blu ray contest. And uh, in the body of the email, Right in your most religious movie-going experience, you have until Friday, uh, five p.m. Pacific time, to email in your contest entry. That's Friday, March thirty-first, uh, five p.m. Pacific time, to email in your entry for the Silence Blu-ray contest. Again, subject line: Silence Blu-ray contest. Most religious movie-going experience slash filmcast at gmail dot com. Friday, March thirty-first. And uh, winners will be reached out to within the next week or so. So uh, looking cool. forward to giving that Blu-ray away, and ho- we hope to do some more giveaways in the weeks to come. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. To figure hard war, I had a chance to watch a ton of stuff while I was on the plane, uh, as well as while I was in Hawaii. And one of the things I watched was this Iron Fist show that's on Netflix. <laughs> Now I, I've not
1: heard anything about this show.
0: The, the, here's the thing about Iron yeah. Fist. This is remarkable. This is, uh, I think, the first Marvel television show that has gotten roundly derided by all critics. Uh, uh-huh. Just Everyone is just heaping loads of hatred onto this show, Iron Fist. And uh, for, for a lot of uh, the people in the Asian community, it comes from the kind of cultural appropriation. You know, that even though the original comics – uh, had a white character who was you know the iron fist character uh, that hey that was written decades ago, and we should update it to be you know consistent with the times you know why not why not have an an Asian person actually in the main role
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and so you know for me as a Chinese person, I was very curious to see uh, what this was all about because. I cannot really criticize a show too much without actually having watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I watched the first episode of Iron Fist. And uh, what was remarkable to me, Devendra, is the cultural appropriation, the whitewashing, whatever you want to call it, is Uh the least heinous part of this show. (laughs) It it is probably – if I I was writing an essay about what was wrong with the show – it wouldn't show up until page six, the, the Asian appropriation. In fact, if an Asian character – if an Asian person played the main character, I might be more bothered because this show is <laughs> terrible,
1: right? It, it I, is... I was actually thinking about that too. Like is it a good thing that kind of saved it?
0: You know? Here's what's wrong with the show. Let's list a mm-hmm. few of this show's crimes. Firstly, uh, I, I think the biggest issue is uh, Finn Jones, who plays the role of Danny Rand, is totally bland – unlikable smarmy uh, his character is very inconsistent he's creepy like he he approaches uh, Mm. this uh, Asian female character Colleen Wing right And, and even though she tells him to leave multiple times he doesn't
1: uh, he, I love how he approaches her speaking uh speaking Chinese as well, so right. i yeah okay, which is I, like I, a very it's, it's something that, that, that is a move a, i've seen a lot many of the Asian times. people can relate to that yes, a lot of Asian I, that's people a move can relate i've seen to. <laughs> many times on a college campus yes. of like guys trying to talk to girls, and yeah. it's like, oh, well, this is where we're going, and you're the good guy i I'm supposed to be rooting for you never okay. fails to disappoint
0: never fails yeah. to disappoint that uh <laughs> that move. Uh, in all seriousness, do not try that. It will not go over. And actually, to the show's credit, it depicts how that typically goes over, which is not well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Danny Rand uh, is a total nothing burger of a character, and uh, it, not only that, like his uh, fight choreography is pretty unconvincing, I would say. Uh, yeah. So, uh-huh. so that is the biggest issue with the show, in my opinion. Uh, but even in the first episode, there is a bunch of other. Very, very odd problems. A homeless character shows up out of nowhere simply to provide exposition uh, mm-hmm. only to be killed off later unceremoniously and it is just the most bizarre side character ever uh He exists to do nothing except further the plot
1: yeah, well, I think they're positioning um you know Danny Rand right now, he is a basically a homeless guy trying to reclaim his lost fortune and everything. Um, but it seems like they're going about that in the worst way possible. Yeah. Right. Uh, he, yeah, he is. It's he's not a character that you
0: can really root for, and maybe you know, maybe that's a challenge. Is they start him off really unlikable? But I don't think he's <laughs> supposed to be unlikable. Like I, I don't. Yeah, I think you're supposed to be rooting for him from the get go. But really, all the people around him who are trying to stifle him, who are trying to yeah. say, "Wow, this guy is crazy," they are the ones who are the audience surrogates, right? They are <laughs> the people like
1: Ward Meacham, He is the one who you really relate to. It's not Danny Rand. Even though he's like an American psycho dude in training. Right. You know, like, yeah, he is. He
0: is the Marvel Universe's version of Donald Trump Jr. It's amazing. Yeah. But he's the one who I had the most sympathy for, (laughs) which I think the show that that is the show failing at what it's trying to do.
1: Right. Right. I Uh, mean, it fails on every level. Right. It fails to give us any sympathy for Danny Rand. Really. It just kind of starts out of nowhere of him just walking into this uh, company and like, you know, he's barefoot, he's disheveled, he's trying to talk to somebody, yeah. and it's like you know, he was gone for a while, but he's not an idiot, right? <laughs> like he's he can see himself and be like, maybe this is not the best but way he, to he approach. He has zero self awareness throughout the whole right, episode. Right. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, the first the second scene is that terrible fight scene where he's beating up the guards for doing their job. <laughs> like that's really that's really it. This is some homeless asshole off the street. Who's beating up these poor security guards? But uh, uh, just yeah. you know, I was talking about moving the plot along. Uh, that is <laughs> a
0: very liberal way of describing what happens in the show. <laughs> I mean, the same plot points are repeated over and over again. It's it's like, oh hey, maybe it's is that the real Danny Rand? Maybe not. Maybe it is, but probably not. But 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 maybe it is, but probably not. Oh, That's man. what it feels like watching this show.
1: You know, if Daredevil could make us feel sympathy for the Punisher, which is a he's a really harsh character, right? Like we're introduced to the Punisher just murdering people. But he's murdering bad guys and like he has pathos and sympathy and we know who he is. So by the end of Daredevil season two, the Punisher ends up being, you know, one of the most memorable and interesting Marvel characters here. The hero of the show can't even manage that. Right. So uh,
0: and, you know, people might ask, uh, well, what about the other Marvel shows, David? Do you like those? I have not watched all of them, (laughs) but I watched uh, Daredevil and I quite enjoyed that. Uh, Daredevil Season 1. So it's yep. not as though I think you know, the whole enterprise of Marvel Netflix shows is creatively bankrupt. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I just think this is a particularly egregious example of a poorly put together show. Mm-hmm. There's just shoddy workmanship all along. It feels almost like a student film level. Like That, <laughs> that is how bad – the production values are and the choreography yeah. is and the acting is and the script is it just doesn't feel well put together it and does
1: it feels like it was made by people who've never seen a tv show or a movie before <laughs> like that opening fight scene is just like a bunch of quick cuts of like nonsense movement and i can't tell what the hell is going on there's a scene um, if you search around on twitter there's a scene where danny rand has to jump over a taxi cab that's driving towards him on the street and even like so it, it, the it's, very a big, first, it's a big moment in it's the a episode. big moment like oh my god this, this guy has skills the very first shot of that scene is a black suv coming at him <laughs> and in the in the cut it is switched to a taxi cab and even then like what he does is just like a really generic flip type thing that's chopped up several times so it doesn't even look well good. it looks like, it, it looks ridiculous it looks ridiculous it looks insane there's stuff yeah. like this all throughout the episode for instance <laughs> the uh,
0: homeless guy says hey, i I have a phone. I can Google whatever you want uh for no reason and then Danny Rand says, "Yeah, Google Danny Rand and he searches Danny Rand and when they cut to the close up of the phone, he's in the photos app hes he has a screenshot of a website uh-huh and uh so it's very obvious he's not looking at the actual yeah. internet they they couldn't even make a website well well david it's, it's not even that it's not even that uh good it's that uh, you can just tap the Photos app and make the UI go away, and they didn't even do that. Like, <laughs> it, it clearly
1: is showing using the Photos app. Well, so, um, Dave, I've seen all of the Marvel Netflix shows, and I like them all for very different reasons because I think the big thing is they've all been about something, right? Something more. Daredevil was a lot about um, his like sense of... Uh, his sense of guilt there's a lot going on there with that character and what he's dealing with he's like a more down-to-earth superhero jessica jones was all about uh you know female empowerment and men stepping on women in many ways luke cage was all about the black experience in harlem this show is about nothing it is about absolutely nothing other than some asshole billionaire. Well, i think it's uh, unintentionally about uh white male entitlement yeah Um, that's really what it is but that's
0: not what it wants to be about it i think
1: it could have gone so many different ways to like if it i think fundamentally what fails here is the showrunners and the writers like nothing about how the show is put together feels good i'm not interested in anything going on here i don't know if i'm going to keep watching um maybe i will just to like be complete and just to actually talk about the show you know with some sort of like experience with it uh but yeah i just i just don't care about anything and that's, uh, that's a damn shame.
0: It's been fascinating to observe the reaction to this show um, because Marvel has generally been regarded as that company that can do no wrong uh, but this show and the critical reaction to it shows you that hey, if they mess up people will call them on it and uh, if if they start getting lazy, you, you know, and it, the, the reaction has been so vociferous too. It's just, I think Gizmodo put out an article of here's uh, all the stuff that happens in Iron Fist so you don't have to watch it. So that you can be ready for the defenders, you know? Uh, I, I just have rarely seen this kind of hatred uh, against a Marvel property uh, in the last few years. So it it's, is...
1: Uh, yeah, it's pretty rough, but entirely deserved. Like, yeah. it's,
0: it's, so yeah. all
1: the people who think Marvel
0: is paying critics to, you know, praise their stuff, I point to Iron Fist as Exhibit A of uh when people won't put up with just anything that they shovel onto our tv mm-hmm. so that's iron fist it's on netflix I, i'm i i don't think i can watch the rest of the show you
1: have know. other netflix marvel <laughs> shows to watch dave you should watch luke cage you should at least uh, watch more of jessica jones too yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm open to checking out
0: a few episodes of those and see if uh we get to the end of them but uh all right other things i've been watching this week davindra uh, I saw a lot of comedy specials Comedy specials are really great to watch on on planes Because mm-hmm. you can drift in and out of consciousness uh, And still <laughs> kind of enjoy what's going on Now, to be fair, I, I did not fall asleep uh, At least for significant parts of these but, um, but I watched a bunch of comedy specials on Netflix And Netflix now lets you download uh, yeah. their shows onto tablets So it's super convenient when you're going on a, a long
1: 6-7 to seven hour plane ride and they have so many comedy specials now right I feel like every week there's endless. more and more stuff being piled on endless yeah. so
0: I saw Amy Schumer's leather special which I thought was very enjoyable I finally caught up with some of Hannibal Burris's material uh, comedy Comasado and Hannibal takes Edinburgh both of which were also very enjoyable and I watched uh, Dave Chappelle's two new specials. These are the kind of the big event, right? Um, the Age of Spin and Deep in the Heart of Texas. Those are Dave mm-hmm. Chappelle's new comedy specials. I had actually seen Dave Chappelle live, and so I saw him perform a version of The Age of Spin. And uh, I, I guess I just want to focus a little bit on these two just for a moment because um, there is some talk bubbling up about how uh, there's a lot of homophobic and transphobic jokes in Dave yeah. Chappelle's new specials.
1: And also, I, I guess apparently he does not trust uh, vaccines, which was weird. <laughs> that was really weird. Like, there's a point where he makes a vaccine joke. And it's like, oh, he's he's going to tell those anti-vaccine idiots what's up. No. <laughs> I don't, he makes a uh, yeah, yeah, I don't remember it being
0: an anti-vaccine joke. I remember it being kind of him him slightly buying into the conspiracy theory that aids was a disease introduced by the
1: government well no there's it. that but no he specifically said like i don't know why i should oh, you know protect yeah, yeah. my kids from a disease that doesn't exist anymore i'm like dude that, that's <laughs> that's why we do it yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah It's yeah. there too, Need to follow up so that's clearly like the mentality and i've seen i've been searching this dave and a lot of the anti-vaccine blogs are like support Dave Chappelle supports us, yeah, and that, that kind yeah. of worried me too. But the uh, the transphobic so, and the homophobic stuff is a bigger problem.
0: So let, let me just say that overall, I found the specials to be hilarious. You know, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them, and um, especially, I think the Age of Spin especially, that's the better one in my opinion. It, it makes you think about certain issues that we're facing. Personally on this podcast, I don't want to get into this huge rant about how transphobic some of the jokes are. You can read about that online. I, I will just say this. In the past, when you've seen other... Other great comedians like let's say Eddie Murphy and Raw or, or whatever do similar jokes. Those jokes age really, really poorly, right? <laughs> Any, anything that kind of uh, attacks or otherizes certain uh, groups mm-hmm. of people, that stuff ages really poorly. Like when you view that in 20 years, I don't think it's going to be funny anymore. Uh, and I think that's the case of of these jokes here. Like
1: I don't, I don't even think they're funny now. Yeah, some people like, think, think they're
0: already terrible now. Yeah,
1: um, Dave, Dave Chappelle has been kind of out of things for a decade, right? Like he's been doing shows here and there, and we know he's been working on new material. But it does feel like Eddie Murphy trying to perform Raw in the mid '90s a little.
0: Yeah, and when, there's a lot of uh, homophobic material in those. Uh, mm-hmm. spectrum. yeah, but
1: so know? Raw is like a clear example of the '80s and kind of where we are, where we were as a culture. But, you know, fast forward a decade and so much had changed, right? There was so much more of an understanding of what was going on. It does feel like Dave Chappelle, like as much as he's a great cultural commentator, I think he's a little out of touch with certain things at this point. Yeah, I mean
0: he (laughs) – you know, I I was in the Slack Filmcast, the uh, Slash Filmcast Slack group, uh, which you can join at slackfilmcast.com. And uh, we were talking about SNL. Weekend update hosts, right? We're we're talking about, oh, who are Mm -hmm. like, because I personally am not a big fan of the new ones
1: Uh, Colin Jost and Michael Shea, right?
0: Are you, what are your thoughts on them, David?
1: Not really. Uh, Michael Shea has his moments, but also as a personality, he annoys me. I think they are the
0: worst weekend update hosts in my lifetime. I'm going to (laughs) just put that out there, right? Uh, I was thinking through, like, who are the other Weekend Update hosts, and there's like Colin Quinn, I think, was pretty weak, but uh, uh-huh. had, he had an edge to him that I, I don't think uh, the, these new uh, Weekend Update hosts have, but Norm MacDonald... Probably my favorite Weekend update. Good God hosts. Yes And uh-huh. so For my plane ride I loaded up uh, Like some people have ripped You know uh, Dozens of Norm Macdonald Weekend Update segments And put them on YouTube And so I ripped one of them And put them on my tablet It's just literally 90 minutes of Norm Macdonald Doing Weekend Update jokes And uh, I was watching them And You know It's still very funny But Again, some of those jokes have aged really badly. Uh, Mm -hmm. He essentially considers uh, transgender individuals to be uh, disordered, right? Like Mm -hmm. the way he talks about it is incredibly derogatory and like treating it like a disorder. And it's very similar to how Dave Chappelle uh, treats the topic in the new specials, right? Uh, And that was what, 20 years ago? Yeah, and that was like decades ago. And uh, so it feels like it's going to age – poorly I mean, it's not as extreme as yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. as norm mcdonald because i think he does acknowledge that hey like everyone should be free to do their own thing he but he's also acknowledging his own discomfort mm-hmm. with
1: it yeah and, and it's interesting to see people work that out because we can't i think in my like liberal idealized worldview like everybody would be like like uh you know, progress inequality and everybody should just live their own lives um but these people that we you know have been watching for years, I think a lot of them, too, also end up uh, kind of being stubborn in their worldview, you know? Like, uh, Dave Chappelle has been doing this for a while, and there are things he believes, and he has to, like, slowly get out of that. And you're seeing less of that among younger comedians. So you look to somebody like Hannibal Buress, you know, to, like, really have a better sense of what's going on in the culture and not to say things like that.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, anyway... I
0: think I tweeted about this, and people, uh, you know, I got dozens of tweets being like, "They're just jokes, guys. Don't take them that seriously." Is that really? Ugh. Yeah. Firstly, I think that's a terrible defense, but regardless yes. of yeah. whether or not they are just, thank, firstly, thanks for pointing that out. Didn't know that. Um, <laughs> I so, thought I was watching a prestige drama. <laughs> secondly, um, you know, regardless of whether or not they're just jokes, I, I stand by my my point. That jokes like that will age really poorly Mm -hmm. And you know Whether or not you agree with what he's saying I think you know decades from now We'll look back at these specials and say Wow I can't believe people believe that stuff Um, So I'm going to put that out there And then we'll check back in a decade And see if I'm right All right, Uh, But yeah overall really enjoyed the specials uh, Bummed out by some of the transphobic stuff and uh, I think we're going to continue to see lots of
1: takes on that stuff in the mm-hmm. weeks to come. So I mean he has to – I'm glad that he's producing more content and maybe he will at some point listen to criticism and see what's going on. Like I, I wonder how long he's been kind of working in a vacuum and hasn't had a chance to like bounce his ideas off of people too.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, well, anyway, that's uh, Dave Chappelle's The Age of Spin and Deep in the Heart of Texas. Still worth checking out despite uh, some of the pretty
1: rough material in there. Uh, that's what I've been watching. Divin, your heart or what have you been watching? Oh, several things. I finally got to see Jackie, which is a film I've been looking forward to for a while. This is Pablo Lorraine's um, biopic about uh, Jacqueline Kennedy. And this is a really interesting film. I know you talked about it a little, right, Dave? Or no, was that I, Jack? I actually have not seen it yet. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Jeff, yeah, Jeff saw it. it. That's right. Yeah. And this is just – it's such a strange film because it doesn't feel like a traditional biopic, right? There's nothing – Really glossy or glamorous about it. It really cuts to the heart of, uh, you know, what this woman was going through in the moments that her husband died and everything right after, and her worrying about her legacy. It is a weird film. It's very chilling in a way. It reminds me a lot of The Shining and the oh. works of uh, Stanley Kubrick. Like there's so many symmetrical shots. Uh, the music is by um, the same woman who did Under the Skin whose name is escaping me right now, but also like, you know, similarly like disturbing, uh, Mika Levy, Mika Michael Levy, Levy I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, like just really disorienting, uh, music. It's a strange film. It's a beautiful film. Like every single shot in this movie is just fantastic and interesting in some way. Um, but yeah, as a drama. It's just really odd. Uh, but I think that's what I enjoy about it. Right. It's a, it's just a sketch of who Jacqueline Kennedy was and kind of maybe what she was going through. And this idea of trying to preserve, um, you know, uh, John F. Kennedy's legacy after his death. Um, it doesn't really go too deep, but I think as a portrait of this person in that time, it's fascinating. And Nellie do you think uh, Nellie Portman good. does a good job. Yeah. 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 I do think so. Like she is, I could, you can't take your eyes off her in this movie. And most of the time you are just staring at her, um. Yeah. After seeing this movie, I do think she was robbed at the Oscars. Uh, yeah. It's it's a tremendous performance and great you know supporting actors all around too. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard, Greta Gerwig, um, John Hurt too here for a bit. So it was nice to see him again. This it's just a really interesting film. It's a fascinating film. Uh, I don't think it's for everyone. So I can understand why Jeff wasn't fully on board. Uh, but yeah, I I love this film. And if you like that idea of like an untraditional biopic. Um, really styl- stylish Kubrickian style drama or something. Uh, I, I think you'd dig this. Cool. Well, that's Jackie.
0: Mm-hmm. And how'd you watch it on video on demand? I assume, or
1: uh, yeah, I got it on iTunes, and yeah, I bought it, and I feel I feel good about that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, mm-hmm. what else have you been watching? Uh, also checked out Planet Earth Two, uh, which just started airing. But I checked out the 4K Blu-ray because I really want to see, you know, the the fullest extent. Of what they did. And the big thing about this uh, version of Planet Earth is that they shot everything in 4K. And that was broadcast on the BBC. And you can get it in 4K, I think in some, uh, It's gonna, I think on Dish in the US, you can get it in 4K. But the 4K Blu-ray also has HDR. And that's like the thing, right? In terms of new TV technology, that's what I've been telling everybody. You want 4K and you really want HDR because you won't really see the difference between 1080p and 4K. Uh, once you throw an HDR there and you see like what it does to the colors and the black levels and everything and the the, the way the highlights work uh, in certain scenes, uh, you'll never want to go back. So, yeah, it looks incredible. I think this disc in particular is going to be a showpiece for what we can do with this technology um, I'm I'm thinking about a way to like write this up for Engadget, but basically, like, I think we can all agree that 4K Blu-ray as a standard is like was dead before it began. But to get something like this, it was all worth it. It was all worth the mess of another <laughs> physical format that nobody will buy, and that tons of com- companies have like invested you know millions of dollars into, uh, and that'll probably die very soon. Um, it was all worth it to get this in 4K Blu-ray. And I, I'm very glad about that. So it looks incredible. Um, if you have the setup, uh, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, I have a Xbox One S that I use uses my 4K Blu-ray player, and it uh, works perfectly. It's just beautiful, man.
0: Cool. Uh, yeah, it's Planet Earth 2, the 4K Planet Blu-ray. It's insane. Uh, do, you have it a fa- is-
1: do you have a favorite episode, or have you have you seen them all yet? I or? just watched. So I watched the Mountains one, which is episode two, and there's some great stuff there. Just like you could see the peaks of. Uh, uh the himalayan mountains right and just like the the white snow when the when the sun shines on it and it bounces off it's just blindingly bright on my tv it's it's a great you are there moment and the third episode is the jungles episode and it's just so luscious and so green and all the animals just look incredible so yeah it's pure display porn and i'm totally down with that and i think a lot of our listeners would be down with that too so I would just highly recommend this if you have the whole new 4K HDR setup.
0: Cool. Planet Earth 2 on 4K Blu-ray uh, with an Xbox
1: One S, a potent mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have you been watching, Devendra? Uh, let's see here. Also, Love, uh, the second season of Love, which I really enjoy. Uh, I, I dug the first season. Uh, this is the Paul Russ show with uh, Jillian Jacobs as well uh, from Community. The, fir- the first season is kind of a mess. And I can understand why it may have turned some people off. Uh, but I, I I heard, I, I've heard i not seen any episodes mm-hmm. of this show, but I heard that uh, the characters are very unlikable. Uh, I mean, sure. One. that That's kind of the thing of like a new young comedy series, right? Like girls, um, so many other – Bojack Horseman. Come on. Like un- trying to find sympathy in unlikable characters is kind of where we're at right mm-hmm. now. In comedy, So I don't hold it too much against the show. I think the first few episodes of the first season definitely went a little overboard. Uh, but even that season, like there, there's like a first date in that uh, season. That is one of the funniest, like romantic comedy things I've ever seen like uh, be it like even even classic films like it's just really up there i think in season two they've uh, found a really good flow for the show they know more of what they want it to be and how these characters relate to each other um so th- it, this is a show just full of like great experiences you know it's sort of a walk and talk romantic film too or a romantic show so if you like the before sunset and sunrise stuff there's a bit of that uh but then there's just some great weird classic like you know uh situations that i think are hilarious so, yeah, if you like the first season, definitely give this one a shot. And I think it is worth uh, if you like good, well-crafted, well-written uh, romantic comedies, you should check it out, even though the characters are really unlikable at the first. All right.
0: Let's love season two. It's on Netflix right now. hmm and uh, you wanted to give a quick shout-out to Crashing, right?
1: The HBO yeah, show we with t- Pete Holmes. we talked yeah. about this, and uh, I was – it's fine. Like, the first couple episodes were fine. There, there are things I liked about it. It felt like every other show about comedians. Uh, and we had seen – I think we've been seeing a lot of those lately. Like, just the comedian experience. You've got Marin. You've got Louis. So much stuff. Uh, episode four of Crashing, I think, gets to a point where it's really unique and really interesting because it goes more into – I think a situation that's more unique to him and what Pete Holmes was going through, like the entire show is kind of about his life too. His wife also left him, uh, and he's very autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very much. Uh, but a lot of the early stuff did feel generic at the same time, even though it was very autobiographical. Um, I think from episode four and on, it gets to be a lot more personal and a lot more interesting and specific to the show. Right. There's a show about him, just, uh, what they call it. Um, there's a thing where you do where you just have to go hand out the comedy flyers Yeah, and the entire show, just about him doing that, trying to, yeah, barking, doing that. Uh, if you live in New York, you've seen those people around trying to get you to random shows. Uh, that whole experience and that whole episode, thought was really unique. And then, you know, it it gets more specific after that too. So I think the show has grown a lot in just a few episodes. So definitely stick with it. If you gave up early on. All
0: right. That's crashing. Uh, and I've been enjoying that show on HBO as well. All right, that's all we've been watching this week. Let's move on into film news. couple of items to mention this week. Uh, firstly, True Detective... This is a show that we really love season 1 of. Did you ever get to the end of season 2 Devendra? Vindra? Yeah, I finished it. Did yeah. you? What'd you think? I, I didn't get to the I watched the first <laughs> 3 to 4 episodes and just
1: Peter There out there are it. things I really liked about season 2. Uh the cast specifically like Colin Farrell was there and d- doing his eye smoldering thing. Uh but yeah, the that show shit the bed so hard <laughs> in the in the like last few episodes. It was it was almost hilarious and the weird thing is now like I can't It's like it just evaporated from my memory. Like the entire experience of watching season two was so ephemeral and so like illusory that I I can barely recall anything except, uh, you know, some great actors I enjoy. So, yeah, Yeah. that was season two. On Metacritic, season uh, one received an 87.
0: Season two received a 61. So uh, (laughs) people really did not like season two. Season one had this iconic depiction of uh, Russ Cole, right? Uh, mm-hmm. By Matthew McConaughey, who's incredible. Great and, direction, yeah. Great, great direction with Corey Fukunaga. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff to recommend. Season one, season two. Eh, they had some really talented directors as well, but people really did not enjoy that. And it's been a couple of years since season two happened, so people it's just been thought, two years, yeah. yeah uh, season three probably is never going to happen, especially because. The you know One of the programmers at HBO basically admitted that season two was bad.
1: That he had, Although he, had, he, he admitted to that because they rushed him. Yeah, they, like rushed. they did really push Nick Pizzolatto to get it out in a year pretty yeah. much. Um, but we are now hearing from Entertainment Weekly
0: that uh, Nick Pizzolatto has written two episodes of an upcoming season three that has not been
1: greenlit yet but that David Milch is on board. What a whiplash of news, by the way. Like, (laughs) as soon as you mention, like, uh, oh, True Detective Season 3, I feel like eyes start to roll. And then you say David Milch, and those eyes just, like, roll out of their heads and jaws drop. It's like, what? Really? Okay. Does this excite you, Dendra? Are you psyched? I am I'm very psyched by this, for sure. I mean, like, I saw there were good elements in True Detective Season 2. I think Nick Pizzolatto just needed help. I think he was writing all the episodes on his own. Yeah. Um, it, he it does needed feel help, like basically. it's going to be – ch- I'm not sure. You know, it's just
0: – I'm curious how the people with really strong personalities work together. Uh, seems yeah. like Nick Pizzolatto is a really strong personality. Seems like <laughs> David Milch is a really strong personality. So – are, are they gonna have a good collaboration? I don't know. Uh, it's all very preliminary right now.
1: It's it's such a. I feel like you could. That's that's True Detective season three. The making of True <laughs> Detective, <laughs> like Nick Pazzolato and David Mills, just trying to like get along because on the one hand you have an actual genius. You know, you have the creator of NYPD Blue and Deadwood, two of the best TV shows ever made, and you have a guy who. I think a lot of people say would think he's a genius, at least like it, depending on how we've seen him portray himself. And he can write good dialogue when he has enough time. Sure. Like Nick, Nick Pizzolatto has a decent amount of talent. It is sort of like um, seeing the Jedi master come in and train the young, like insolent. Uh, Padawan or something <laughs> so I think it'll this will be fascinating to watch I'm very excited about this
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see all right next bit of film news is Variety reported that movie studios are exploring the idea of a $30 home movie rental <laughs> uh, roughly three to four weeks after a movies out in theaters now this has been experimented with before talked about before uh, I think the, the price used to be $50 like mm-hmm. you know you could see a movie was still out in theaters and pay $50 Devinder Hardware, would you pay $30 to see a movie in your house uh,
1: after it's been out in theaters for a month? It depends. Are we talking about rentals here? It's, it's Yeah, it's basically a rental. It does sound like that, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think I would, depending on certain factors, right? If there's enough of a crowd. Like uh, here in New York, uh, our movie tickets are up to around $18.50 if you want like a – if you want one of the pricier screens, and even some, I think normal theaters are up to that now. But basically, I'm paying between sixteen and eighteen dollars per theater to, you know, see something. Uh, that adds up. If my family's in town, uh, you know, and we don't kind of want to schlep out, and there's the cost of actually getting to theater as well and everything, um, I may want to do this. Sure, like I do this all the time for iTunes as well. Like I end up buying a lot of iTunes purchases. Just because it's a little more, I would have paid the same amount of money. I would have paid 15 bucks for a movie ticket. Um, If it's something I really want to see, I'd rather just buy it and have it there in my library and I can go back to it. Like Jackie. Like that was a blind buy for me and I'm very glad I did that because there's commentary. There's all sorts of stuff I could go back to. So, yeah, I could totally see doing this and I could see families doing this too because going to the movies is expensive.
0: Yeah. uh, So, I I think what's crazy about this plan is the windows are just getting – Shorter and shorter, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, you can uh, see a movie in theaters, and then three months later, you can get it on iTunes. Uh, and now there's it's just introducing this other window where mm-hmm. one month later, you can watch it for $30. If you're willing to wait three months, if you're willing to not see it in theaters, right, why wouldn't you just wait a couple of extra months and just buy it? You right. know what I'm saying? like that, that part doesn't make sense to me, is if you're not seeing... You know, Beauty and the Beast, or Fist Fight, or whatever, uh, Lego Batman in theaters. Why would you wait? It just doesn't feel like there's enough of a a market there. I mean,
1: maybe this being huge, man. Maybe
0: maybe for like people who have like families, you know, and you want to see uh, Lego Batman, and it's not out on video on demand yet.
1: I could see you know you forking over, but more likely your kids will want to see Lego Batman. And the whole process of taking a kid, you know, and maybe two kids, maybe more, to a movie, dealing with them, getting them snacks, dealing with, like, potential bathroom breaks during the thing. Like, that's not a great experience for any parent.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but have you, have like, you well, seen those no, no, parents? No, no. They've, they've, oh, I totally yeah.
1: get that. I totally get that. But then, then why not wait a couple of extra months and just buy it? You I mean, I, I get that. But then you have kids who are like, you know, I really want to see. I want to see it now, but it doesn't have to be right now. It could be in a few weeks. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, and that's the thing. Like, I, I I, think this is this could be a good middle ground. Um, You know, we'll see. But honestly, if it's something that gets like the more <laughs> gets, you know, certain families out or parents who can't really control their kids to see something like at home. Uh, I could see this potentially being a good idea, and maybe it'll push the theaters to work even harder at like creating an experience that would actually make you want to come in.
0: I have been uh reading this newsletter called The Ankler, which is written by Richard Rushfield uh, mm-hmm. and he writes this newsletter you can if you google the Ankler newsletter or whatever you can you can find it, and every day he sends you like his summary of the of the day's industry news. I really enjoy it it helps keep me mm-hmm. sane. He responded to this uh, with some questions in the Ankler newsletter. <laughs> Quote, Disney is the one company that seems to get something about the magic of movie going, uh, and it's working out pretty well for them. Shouldn't their non-interest in this program tell the other something? Uh, likewise, does the fact that Warners is leading this charge give anyone comfort? <laughs> um, if a movie is already dead in theaters after a month, why would people want to pay $30 to watch it on right, TV? Right. Uh, so on and so forth, and I'll skip to the end. What if you destroyed the theatrical window and nobody came, end quote. Uh, so a lot of questions. And yeah, as he, as he mentions, Disney is not involved. Disney, by the way, had four of the top grossing films of 2016. Uh, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, right. they're one of the only people that are doing well right now <laughs> in the movie industry. And so the fact that they are not interested at all, hmm, huh, huh. Worth considering why they might not be interested. And yeah, as he pointed out, Warner Brothers uh, is leading the charge on this. And while they have had some hits, they are also the studio that gave us Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, so <laughs> uh, which did okay box office wise, but were not great films in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So
1: we're, I mean, we're at a really interesting time right now, right? Like I would go to, I just came out of South by, and I heard people talking about movies like uh, Prevenge, right? And as of this week, you can watch Prevenge at home on Shutter or iTunes um and that's like an indie thing so we've definitely seen like the you know the theatrical run for some indies is like come down to zero depending on where they land
0: yeah Uh, Uh, i don't feel at home in this
1: world anymore the sundance uh, grand jury prize winner you can watch it on netflix and which and the netflix thing is even weirder, right because you're already subscribing to that you're not paying extra to download it or to uh to rent it or something it's just there (laughs) and then it's yeah, it's so it's there kind of unceremoniously too like we talked about this. Yeah. Um I do think like yeah that window for indies um even smaller indies I think end up on streaming much faster than 3 months. Like I've seen things hit hit streaming much faster. Uh it, I I wouldn't be surprised if something happened similarly to bigger budget films.
0: We'll see. I, I you know, I don't know that I I don't think I would do it, Divind. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would pay 30 bucks to see a movie <laughs> That I could have in, like... You don't
1: have a family yet, Dave.
0: Well, yeah, I don't have a family. But even if I did, I feel like I would just wait an extra, like, six weeks and just buy it so I could watch it whenever I want. I, it just I, doesn't I, make... I could see that. I could see that. but It just doesn't make much sense to me. Sometimes,
1: but... Like, Dave, you're a movie fan. You're stuck at home with your kid, and you can't, like, get a babysitter to go see the movie you really want to see. I could see it working in certain instances. I don't think it's going to be a huge thing that's going to, like, you know, make a lot of money for these studios. So... Yeah, I guess we'll see where it all goes. We'll
0: see. Uh, yeah,
1: I am I think there's a lot of doubt
0: as to whether this will even happen at all. Uh, and mm. without Disney, you know, what good is it? So we'll see. Anyway, uh, that's some film news for you. You can find uh, a bunch of other film news over at SlashFilm.com, cranking up their – output of original content recently. They've, we have like dozens of pieces each week that are uh, not just reblogs of film news now, uh, just original content. we got a great new team, uh, many of whom we look forward to welcoming onto the Slash Filmcast in the days to come. So uh, check out all that stuff out at SlashFilm.com. Let's get to our review. Before we do that, we've got to thank all the people that donated to the Slash homecast. In the past three weeks, we haven't thanked people for three weeks, and so we have a huge backlog here. I'm going to start thanking them now. Adam Shipley, Leilani Akiyama from Cockington United Kingdom, them, uh, if that's a real place, Teresa Alpert, Banzai Media LLC, Ahmed Adudi, uh, Mark W. from Denmark, Robert Cassidy from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Harry Seward-Phoenix, DJ Faux-Hip from Toronto, Cash Cow from Auckland, New Zealand, Bruce France, Ivana Tinkle, a classic one there, Kyle Smith from the Literate Cinephiles podcast, Brian P. Hayes from Bel Air, Kansas, Ron Small from Walnut Creek, California, Christina Tobin, Lisa Cook from Columbus, Ohio, Thank you so much for your donations. Thanks also to new subscribers at the rate of $2 per month. Kevin Hansen, Kyle Thayer, Huyen Nguyen, Grace Meng, uh, Ryan Hecht, Ben Gon, and Sam Clark. If you want to support the Slash Filmcast and defray the costs of doing the show, go to SlashFilm.com, click on the Slash Filmcast tab, and use the PayPal links on the side of the page. We really appreciate it. Thanks to all the people that have donated the, over the past few weeks, and thanks to those who use funny names when they donate. We really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's a gas. All right. Let's get to our review of life. Hey, guys. It's a girl. Hey! Congratulations. Do you have any idea who the father is? Shut
1: up. For <laughs> well, story time.
0: All right, let's go. Three, two, one. I
1: die in the name of the
0: this is Dr. David Jordan. Our mission is to intercept a research pod from Mars. Sixteen steps to fix a shower. I'm an astronaut, not a gym teacher. <laughs> This is the first capsule ever to come back from the planet. We have visual confirmation. That's it. This could be a major scientific breakthrough. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come come on, come on. Woo! Cue Instagram!
1: <laughs> We're looking at the first proof of life beyond Earth. Lowering oxygen, more carbon dioxide. That's beautiful. You're finally a daddy. It's going to be a big custody battle over this one.
0: Are you going to bring the Martian back to Earth? No, we're going to keep it up here. We're going to study. We're safe. Look how fast this crew That was from the trailer of Life, uh, the newest film by director Daniel Espinosa. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A team of scientists aboard the International Space Station discover a rapidly evolving life form that caused extinction on Mars and now threatens the crew and all life on Earth. Uh, As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, this uh, stars Ryan Reynolds, Rebecca Ferguson, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Hiroyuki Sonata. When will people learn to stop sending Hiroyuki Sonata into space? Don't send it to space, guys. Do not send it to space. It goes
1: horribly. Every time it goes horribly. That is hilarious, by the way. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Anyway. uh, All right. So... Life. Uh, This movie did okay at the box office. Not super great, but it has an amazing cast. It's competently directed, and it's inspired by uh, sci-fi classics like The Thing, Gravity, uh, and Alien. Alien. Now, my question for you, Devon, your hardware. Do you think life adds anything new to the sci-fi horror genre?
1: Not really. (laughs) Like, it's... This is a movie that I would describe as fine. It's perfectly fine. Like, it's... It, there's some decent sequences in here, and there there is one scenario that uh, you know that involves something happening in a spacesuit that I thought was kind of terrifying to see, um, and I, I don't think I've seen that in a movie before. But beyond that, like this is a movie that exists mainly because it's building uh, or it's kind of trying to ape what Alien did, uh, mixed with what Gravity did. Um, And I don't think it quite succeeds, right? It's a fine thriller. There's some scary moments and, like, you know, people die and you may or may not feel bad for them. But I just, like, watching this thing, I couldn't help but feel like how pointless it all was, right? Like, we were just watching these things happen. Um, I didn't care about, like, there's no greater theme to this movie, right? There's nothing bigger going on. It's just, like, things shows up and people act very stupidly for scientists, (laughs) Um,
0: and least, the and uh, least professional NASA yeah. scientist ever, in my opinion.
1: And for some reason, the most insanely funded NASA ever, too. <laughs> like, it's so, so like, we're going to pick this movie apart a little. So yeah. I think, yeah, on, per, upon first watching, it's fine. Like, there are things I liked about it. I, I like Jake Gyllenhaal Hall. Um, I don't think uh, Rebecca Ferguson had much to do at all. I don't even know why she's in this movie. Like, I thought we were seeing a Solaris-type thing, too. Like, was she just his dead wife that wasn't really there the whole time? Uh, because she she did absolutely nothing throughout <laughs> the entire movie. So there there's all, you know, there, there are certainly big disappointments. But it was fine the first time. But the more I think about this movie, the dumber it is and the angrier I get. So... Yeah, uh, I'm ready to dive in deeper into yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fine, mostly. Yeah, I think... Uh, I, I would give this movie
0: like a 7 out of 10. You know? I don't think it's bad. Uh, it's not great. And I think uh, the the two biggest things, in my opinion, preventing it from being great are... Uh, number one, the characters do behave stupidly, in my <laughs> opinion. And number two uh the the characters are very poorly sketched out you know mm-hmm. like you you the reason alien succeeds is because uh ripley is just like an unforgettable character right and it's she's she's portrayed
1: mm-hmm. and she's surrounded by also unforgettable leads or right, right. supporting characters too like i think they're as great as Ripley is, there are so many things you learn about those other characters uh, that you feel for them and you know, okay, this guy's the asshole. This one's kind of the, the cool one you can trust. This one's the badass. Things like that. This one's the scientist that you maybe shouldn't trust. Um, yeah, things like that. Like You get a sense of who those people are. Uh, and I have no idea who the hell anybody is really in life. Yeah,
0: uh, I agree. Uh, it's, a, it's a big problem. That's a big problem with this movie is that uh, the characters aren't well-defined enough. And you know, in the past, we've talked about how good the characterization is in movies like Gravity. Uh, and again, a movie like Life really makes you appreciate a movie like Gravity more, right? In, in the case of Gravity, less is more, right? The, mm-hmm. the characters in Gravity, there are very few of them and their motivations uh, and their sort of emotional states are fairly simple. And because of that, I think uh, it's much more impactful than this movie where there's mm-hmm. uh, six characters and you don't really get to know any of them. And um, and it, it becomes a, a bigger problem later on in the movie when uh, a- aspects of the plot really depend on you having an understanding of what these characters are trying to do. Sure, sure. Uh, and which I, the I don't think I about- ever got.
1: Yeah. The thing about gravity too is like there's there's a fundamental story there about struggle and survival and like you can you can relate to that that's something you can latch on to well, that's, that's, that's something
0: I disagree with you on this movie uh-huh. I think there is uh, the 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 theme that I would say is is that uh-huh. life uh, life will find
1: a way well yeah so or, that,
0: or, or that yeah that life um, you know so, one of the characters articulates it straight up that uh, life depends on death right right like, that in order for life to go on something needs to be destroyed and and you know that's kind of true you know that like the, sure. the laws of thermodynamics dictate you know when we when we <laughs> eat food right like we we destroy things right like we we take something that's alive and convert it into something that's dead yeah uh, so and, so they
1: restated the laws of the jungle basically <laughs> i mean I, I get that that is certainly a thing a character said it's it's certainly an idea that the movie tries to accomplish i don't think it quite gets there i guess like okay right, you, you did not you, think, you did not feel the thematic weight
0: of this right. movie
1: hit you right? and I, I think they could have tried a little more but if, if i cared more about the characters if the movie itself weren't so dependent on imagery and like there there's like there's so many things that feel like they're just lifted directly from alien uh, that it's it's insane. This movie feels like a reboot without actually being called a reboot. Like that's how close it is to me. Well, I think um,
0: the, the movie really falls down. I think the missing link of this movie is uh, the character of Hugh Derry, uh, played by Aryan Bakari. Uh, that character felt like, oh my god, if if they had fleshed that character out a little bit more. Uh, or done a little bit more with that character, I felt like the movie would have come together in a much bigger way because a a lot of the movie really hinges around his struggle, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't – it's not reflected in the script, unfortunately. So Mm -hmm. anyway – i I felt like stylistically there was a lot of this movie that was inspired by gravity, like the score, the opening shot you know there's a lot of this movie felt a lot more gravity to me than alien, but certainly from a plot or theme perspective mm-hmm. it's much more alien
1: it's It's definitely like a weird yeah alien hybrid of the yeah. two right just having i did just rewatch Alien and that movie is just still fresh in my mind, and yeah there's so many things there's a oh surprise reveal the monster's actually there on the person on. Um, <laughs> Things like that. Like, yeah. we g- got to get him out of the airlock. It's the only thing you could do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, things like that. But, yeah, it's very much gravity because it is closer to Earth, and it's all about orbiting around Earth and everything. Right, right.
0: All right, well, let's get to spoilers, Devendra, and start uh, picking our, apart the plot of this movie right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can you to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. I enjoy watching movies where people are uh, incredibly professional, like competence Mm -hmm. porn. You know, I enjoy watching movies where, oh, hey... That person is doing that job really, really well. Yes. You know, like
1: uh, movies about fixers and things like that. People yeah. who just like know the lay of the land and everything.
0: Yeah, around. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this movie, the, sci- the scientists or astronauts are not aspirational. You know, <laughs> They behave from a place of emotion. Uh, and this is evident when they are playing around with this uh, organism. And uh, on more than one occasion, a character <laughs> in the movie said, fuck this, I'm going in. Into the quarantine. Into the quarantine area that he's not supposed to go into. Do you not know how that works? Right. Uh, The whole purpose of having rules is so that you are protecting something that's beyond yourself and beyond your own passions. Uh, And, of course, we've seen in movies, like, people break these rules all the time. Uh, and, And sometimes it leads to great drama. But I guess in this movie... It didn't work for me. I think um, partly because we hadn't really established the characters at all before they start breaking the rules. You know, it's one thing if hey this person is um, super uh, buttoned up by the book and they they never break the rules, and then oh, but suddenly extreme things happen and they break the rules later, like that. There's some drama in that. In this movie. 15 minutes in, they're behaving like jackasses. You yeah.
1: Know? So I was listening to your Kong review, Dave, a movie that I really enjoyed for how also dumb and fun it was, though. And that movie does the like Michael Bay early character sketch. Yeah. It's like you just pant every character quickly. It's like, ah, oh, this guy's the badass. This right. guy's the smart one. Um, this movie didn't even have that.
0: <laughs> it does not you know? even well, – well, what it does have, Divindra, in my opinion, is a spectacular one-shot uh, opening sequence. That, that, that is pretty good. Yeah, it, it felt very inspired by Gravity, which has like mm-hmm. an 18-minute one-shot or 12-minute whatever one-shot sequence. Um, and – you know, that long take, it serves a purpose. I mean, it wasn't. It mm-hmm. looked like it was not all done in one take. It looked like it did some digital stitching, of course. Oh, but, for sure. But, but it is like, us the lay of the land. It shows, yeah, us it, not, like. it shows you the layout of the ship, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But the reason that Alfonso Cuaron made Gravity in the way he did is – Because when you watch videos of people in space, it's like a documentary camera that's floating there and you're watching a continuous shot for many, many minutes. Mm -hmm. And he wanted it to feel like other videos you've seen of those situations. And so I think it really is immersive. I was very impressed with the opening shot. I I thought to myself, man, if the rest of the movie is as inventive as this, uh, we're going to be great. I thought but, we
1: were starting off on good territory. Yeah, we,
0: we had yeah. a great opening shot and uh, kind of established the layout. There was a big kind of thing that you, they needed to accomplish, and they did it. It was it was really well done, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then things start to go
1: downhill almost immediately because they, they start <laughs> behaving stupidly. Um, Ryan well, Reynolds, he, even, even that opening scene, by the way, like as as impressive that as that was, what they were trying. Did you think about what they were trying <laughs> to do? They were trying to catch a uh, errant. You yeah, know, sa- like uh, satellite or whatever with errant, uh, yeah so, some yeah something that was on its with way the, from the Mars. The samples, yeah,
0: um, they which, were trying to catch it. I'm not even gonna uh, <laughs> think about whether it's scientifically possible.
1: I, I'm just trying to think about why would you do that? <laughs> you so, and they even said like, oh, we NASA spent two hundred billion dollars on the space station, and all these world governments did too. It's like, oh, you're just gonna chance that the space station or something attached to the space station can catch it why is ryan reynolds outside operating <laughs> yeah. a space arm yeah like why why can't you do that from inside you I can mean. communicate to earth you can have a remote control ro- robot arm and control it from inside the space station like well, a, well devendra that's what that's the sort of thing well, one that thing that, really, that was good uh, no. at setting
0: up was how these people imperil themselves for no really good reason <laughs> okay. That so so you have you know these people who are out in, in the depths of space and they they catch this thing, and then they bring the uh, the sample inside the ship, and uh, Hugh starts testing it, um, but then he makes a dumb mistake and leaves some valve open or whatever.
1: And I, for, uh, by the way, for that being such a big mistake. It was not conveyed at all anyway, like <laughs> cinematically. Right. It's just, oh, hey, this thing happened to occur, and now we're
0: going to give it You idiot. Data. Look what
1: you did. You've doomed us all.
0: <laughs> and so Off camera. they didn't do a good job of setting up the stakes, so that was bad. And then, uh, hey, Devendra, uh this creature that we have no idea how powerful it is, what it's going to do, uh, how smart it is, like whether or not it's violent. Uh, let's, uh, let's electroshock it to life. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, let's predict uh, to it. Let's yeah.
0: antagonize it until it wakes up again. Uh, because nothing could go wrong with that plan. Uh-huh. They antagonize it, and then Ryan Reynolds rushes in. And then he gets killed in brutal fashion yeah. by this creature.
1: That, that that was a good surprising kill because I feel like Ryan Reynolds, he's a big enough name that you wouldn't expect him to die. Right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, and And I think...
0: Like, where this movie really falls down, like I said, the Hugh character, he kind of caused all this, right? Mm-hmm. Later, there's a moment where uh, the the creature is apparently feasting off him, right? <laughs> and uh, he doesn't say anything about it. Yeah. Uh, now, a part of that could be because he doesn't know that it's feasting off him, right? Because he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's paralyzed from the waist down and he doesn't have any feeling in his legs. But uh, in the Slack film cast, they were talking about how Maybe he does know, right? Because he's like maybe the creature is driving him insane, right? Mm-hmm. That, that he sees the possibility – like he's intoxicated by the, the idea of this creature. Another thing that could have been conveyed cinematically. That's what yeah. I'm saying is they didn't yeah. do uh, – you don't yeah. understand what huge uh, state of mind is at that point in the, in the, sh- in yeah.
1: the movie. Yeah, like think right. about Sunshine, right? Like that movie is entirely about this idea of how, uh, yeah, being so close to the sun, this thing that we've worshipped for so long could, has slowly driven people insane. And right. you see that portrayed, yeah. Uh, and you yeah, see it unfold that, slowly in, in yeah. the, during the course of the movie, and, and
0: uh, it reaches a, a fever pitch. But then, he, this character of Hugh, he has all this stuff. Oh, maybe these, uh, this creature could cure uh, my paralysis. Maybe it could mm-hmm. reverse the unreversible. Like who knows, irreversible. Who knows what it could do? Uh, and then that's the end of it. Like we don't ever hear any more of what he thinks about it until he's dead.
1: Well, his, uh, or his or so the die. thing destroys his arm, right? And they get him out. He wait. He, so he's passed out. He wakes up at some point. That's not like a big enough moment to be like, "Oh my God, he's alive!" Uh, and he's not like he's not hurt. He's not like well, his arms ja- his
0: arms jacked up.
1: His yeah. arms jacked up, but he's not conveying it. He's just yeah. like walking around like with no sense of like pain. No, well, like, not oh walking around,
0: but floating around. Yeah,
1: floating around. Yeah, but still, there's no sense of like, "Oh, this is a thing that happened." Right in his or, or yeah. Part. How
0: did it affect his opinion on the creature? You know, mm-hmm. uh, wh- what does he think now? We never got to have that moment. Uh, so that is the hugest bummer to me is is that like, that character was so poorly uh, sure. pushed out, sure. and then you know the so then everyone dies except for Jake
1: Hall and Rebecca Ferguson. Well, everyone dies, and also NASA didn't tell everybody like the ultimate. <laughs> The, the big oh, oh, yeah. plan. They didn't tell them the big plan that they might all die,
0: apparently, which, again, you'd think that they would let them know that because that's a pretty crucial part of
1: their mission. Like, seems like important enough that you'd want people who, who understood yeah. that. Yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. Like, so they understand the quarantine rule. Like, they understand why this is a very big deal because I do like the idea of like, OK, we are playing around with this thing up here and we cannot let it get to Earth. You right. know, like that idea, if they had conveyed that better and if everybody understood the stakes, I think would have been a lot stronger. Yeah. But also, isn't uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character like is she married to Jake Gyllenhaal's character? I think. Right. They have no. some sort of relationship. I don't think so. I don't think that's there the was there. There was some reference to somebody having family like I have family aboard. Or there, or are they just no, no, like, no, 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 no. He was just saying, he was just saying, like, he is like, like, yeah, they're, they're like brothers and sisters kind of thing. There, there's like a weird sense I got of a relationship between them, but maybe she, it was cut or something. No, I don't, I, I don't, I, don't.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree with you that there was supposed to be some kind of uh, potential attraction uh-huh. there, but I, yeah, it, it never made it into the final movie. <laughs> uh, here's what I think got cut. At the end, they're talking about the plan A and the plan B, which I thought mm-hmm. was actually like a pretty cool scene, talking about how they would get rid of the creature. And then he says, no, I I have to be plan A. I'm the pilot, which uh, they never introduced him as a pilot. They introduced him (laughs) as the cruise medical officer. He's the med
1: guy. Even though he doesn't really do that much. Well, he can be – you can still be a pilot, right? You still can be – you know, well, Air, it, it Air just they never. It seems like a
0: crucial plot point that they did not
1: introduce early on in the
0: film. It sure, felt like it sure. got left on the cutting room floor. Uh,
1: but he uh. is—he was the guy that had like the Air Force pins, or you know, oh yeah, yeah, label or something. Like so, we knew he had that background, and we knew that she was from a more like uh, administrative, I think, background or scientific background. So right. that bit I bought. Uh, but uh, you're you're missing the point, Dave. Like so, he he announces the A and B plans after reading a children's book because he forgot there are escape shuttles <laughs> that's yep. that's the bigger problem here but yeah, also let's, let's as someone on as idea. someone in the slack
0: Filmcast pointed out uh hey there's one way we know to kill this thing uh let's not do that thing <laughs> which is yes. they could just like evacuate the entire ship right yes. and kill themselves yep. and just like the, the pr- like turn off all life support and just like you know airlock the whole ship and mm-hmm. and sure it might the, the creature might survive for forty minutes and it might survive entry into the atmosphere but you have a pretty good shot at killing it but they for some reason they don't want to do that.
1: Well, um, I think I can understand the idea that we don't just want to kill ourselves and not have, like, any clue of what happened, right? right like, if we're right. going to sacrifice ourselves, let's at least make sure we're pushing this thing out of orbit. Uh, right. That also was not conveyed very strongly. But, yeah, I guess by, yeah. by the point where we're talking about plan A and plan B, then, yeah, that's sort of there.
0: Yeah, and then uh, the ending of this movie is kind of uh, kind of interesting, I thought, like – <laughs> it, it, it's arguably edited in a very confusing way. So you don't really know yes, what's going on, but purposefully edited. Yeah. yeah but way. then at the end you find out, Oh my gosh, the wrong pod made it. You know, it's funny. I was in a theater with a dozen people. I watched this movie <laughs> in Hawaii and at the end of the movie, this uh, woman who is probably in her fifties sitting in front of me, uh, the pod lands on earth. This woman, <laughs> she's by, in the theater by herself. She turns around and just says to me out loud, it's the wrong pod. <laughs> just, she had this insight. She had no one to share it with yeah, except no, me. I love that moment <laughs> in theaters. Yeah. Um, so that was a fun moment. These, <laughs> I, I assume Chinese people, they might be uh, some other Asian ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so helpful, Devendra. They're just yeah. like, we're going to get this guy out of this horrible situation
1: he's in. Dave, um, didn't, didn't you feel like you were watching the end of Planet of the Apes? Right? Like <laughs> This is a historic moment in cinema. Like, oh my god, nobody... Nobody expected that. Yeah, that this creature – like, who knows what's going to happen to this creature once it gets onto planet uh, Earth. It's going to kill I, everyone, right? Like, on, on the one hand, I kind of i like that. I like that ending. I thought it was a cool ending. You know? I thought it was cool. It was a classic cool, switcheroo. The classic, classic switcheroo. switcheroo. Uh, cool in the way, like, I think a teenager would think a cool, like, bad <laughs> ending would be. Oh, so you did not, not like the ending. <laughs> no, I, I've just been thinking about it. Like, it doesn't – you didn't earn that ending movie. Like I feel like you watch something like *Planet of the Apes*. You watch another movie where things go batshit at the very yeah. end. Um, they tend to earn it. Um well, or at I'm, curious, least the, I'm what earning it
0: means in this case, right? Like, because cause really what it feels like is, hey, you're not going to get a happy ending, right? We've sure. put you. You know, I, I think in, to the extent that this movie is unpleasant, hey, we've showed you these people try their best to kill this creature and then get murdered horribly by it. <laughs> And then, oh, some hope for you? Here's some hope for you. And then, nope, the hope is gone. Uh, humanity is doomed. Yeah. Right? Like, and what?
1: what is the point? It's a big F you events. to the audience. Right? And I, I appreciate the audacity of it. <laughs> I feel like the movie already said F you to me several times <laughs> while I was watching it. So that's maybe why the ending rubbed me a little wrong, too. It's like, oh, look how, look how badass we are. Like, we're going to do this really dark ending and that, that made me think you know what fuck you movie mm. like you didn't earn that like you didn't really deserve what you're trying to do here it's a nice way to like shock us at the end um, and you tricked us with some editing but I don't think thematically it means much I don't understand like the point of it other than yeah life will you know life destroys other life to survive and that, that's, that's just the way it is the end that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I actually could see like um there being some sort of sequel to this like if this movie were successful enough I don't think it will be. But yeah, the monster like just like terrorizing earth in different ways, so like that could be kind of fun, but I also don't That's not the point of like what I just watched.
0: Uh I'm I'm a little surprised you're so negative on it because I think the idea of these creatures that are dormant on Mars until the the like circumstances are right was kind of cool, you know. It's cool.
1: That's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. I would have liked more of that. Yeah, I would have liked the I agree, I agree. the
0: theme yeah. the themes were not really well well brought to life and um, and the characters were not really well brought to life and that's really where uh, why the movie is not great. Uh, I, it it has enough decent things that I would say, "Hey, if this comes on TV or if it's on HBO Go or whatever, it's worth checking
1: out." Um, but it yeah, it's it's fine. It's not it's bad. Fine. It's totally it's fine. not great. It's, I, th- I it's I think I'm more annoyed that it's so close to being something that could be genuinely good, yeah, yeah, you know, if they had set up the characters better, if we had more of a sense of like the discovery of what they had found um or or if like there weren't so
0: many plot contrivances, you know sure um like uh at one point um the character played by Hiroyuki Sonata, his uh microphone uh breaks, mm-hmm. right. Uh, for no reason other than that the, the plot can 't have him communicating with the other people so that he can do something stupid, right and that, mm-hmm. a few, that happens a few times is like, technology just breaks down randomly, uh, and I guess that 's true to life, but it just felt very convenient uh, and not it, it just felt like the movie kept doing things to create situations where people could behave stupidly. no definitely and, like- uh, and that 's uh, very unfortunate.
1: Right. Uh, certainly. And I think that's partially why the ending didn't quite work for me either. Like, it just felt, after so much contrivance, like, here's the final contrivance. Here's the cherry on top. You are fucked, Earth. And that's that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I <laughs> wish I could appreciate it more. Like, it was kind of... I think it's cool to see a risky ending like that, but I just wish it has to mean something. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like i i talked about this uh I, I could relate something like this to like the church scene in kingsman which i keep talking about where a lot of crazy stuff happens and it doesn't quite mean much or even uh maybe some of the action in john wick too like things happening without actual motivation or actual character meaning or you know yeah, greater yeah. thematic meaning is is just kind of it's just there it's not really that interesting i think yeah yeah, yeah. well th- those are our thoughts on life uh New film by Daniel
0: Espinosa is out in theaters right now. I think Espinosa is a talented genre director. Like, sure. I actually liked Safe House with Denzel Washington and Ryan Reynolds.
1: There is the rumor um, that he could end up doing that Akira uh, movie if, mm, if that ever happens. Yeah, and that So I'm, I'm a fan of his
0: uh, – his movies I think are good but not great. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I saw Easy Money with Joel Kinnaman. Uh, I like that movie You know I I think they're just They're good You know But I haven't seen a movie From him that I thought Oh my gosh You must go see this You know Right It's movies that I enjoy I like leaving them
1: On the background sometimes I enjoy them Um, Yeah But He did uh, Child 44 Which is a movie That I don't That's a movie that exists And has some big stars in it And nobody talks about it Yeah Yeah yeah. It's weird Uh, Anyway well, those are our thoughts on life. Uh,
0: let us know what you thought of the film at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes of this podcast at slash filmcast.com. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be reviewing next week. Um, but uh, yeah, also, uh, music for our podcast comes courtesy of adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler theme is from uh, filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Our slash film court theme is from simonmharris.com. Uh, in the meantime, Davindra Harder, we're working to find more of your work on the internet this week.
1: Oh, I am at Davindra on Twitter, and you can find me writing about tech at gadget.com. I'm at DaveChen.net, and uh, recently
0: relaunched the Tobolowski Files. So if you want to find that, go to TobolowskiFiles.com. Next week, we'll nice. be reviewing Ghost in the Shell, <laughs> new Scarlett Johansson remake of the Japanese classic. Looking forward to diving into that one. It yeah. uh, should be a pretty interesting
1: conversation. Thanks I, I we- would recommend everybody also rewatch the original, because yeah. you can see it in many places, because it's going to be relevant to next week's discussion. So that's totally. your homework.
0: Totally. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week on the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. Alright, welcome to the Slash Filmcast After Dark. We talk about a variety of random topics that are of no significance to anyone. <laughs> and it's just stuff that's on our mind and we don't expect anyone to listen to it. So here we are. Devindra, is there anything on your mind that you want to t- talk about? I-, I have a couple things.
1: Yeah, go for it. I'll think about it. Uh,
0: so. I went to Hawaii recently. It was a fantastic trip. Nice. <clears throat> and um, did the whole thing, you know, went parasailing, went snorkeling, all that stuff. And uh, firstly, I want to thank all the people that follow me on Twitter that recommended things to do. Uh, there were a bunch of locals who, who gave some really great recommendations, uh, nice. many of whom were listeners. So, so thank you so much for doing that. One of the people recommended an open-door helicopter ride.
1: Have you ever been on one of these things, Devendra? I've never been on a helicopter. Neither have open I. open-door helicopter sounds terrifying.
0: It is terrifying. You're, you, there's, like, nothing between you and a, you know, uh, like a 40-story <laughs> yeah. 40, 40 drop.
1: I'm imagining, ones. like, the with the final scene in Crank. Yes, you know? yes. It's, like, reenacting that. That sounds awful. But, okay, how was that? Um, it was awesome.
0: <laughs> I, I would recommend everyone at least do it once. Um, and... I uh, I bought a GoPro to, to document some of uh, our adventures, and mm. um, I, I'll probably be writing up a review for that at DaveChan.net, but um, uh, a GoPro Hero 5 session. But anyway, uh, the helicopter ride is a steep $250 a person. Mm-hmm. However, uh, we were able to get a discount of $200 off that price uh, if we agreed to go to a timeshare presentation.
1: Oh, boy. Hours. Yeah. Have you been to a timeshare presentation? I have not. Um, I have been on vacations where my parents agreed to do stuff like that. And, but, yeah, I, I can understand the appeal of just, like, yeah, spending a couple hours there to save some money for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the downside is you're basically doing work in yeah. order to – like on your vacation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have never been to a timeshare presentation and, Devinder, I wanted to be – Taken in, like I, I, I wanted, <laughs> I, I was never going to sign on the dotted line, uh-huh. but I wanted to at least. You wanted understand. to believe. I wanted to yeah. understand.
1: You know, I, I, I like seeing a good sales pitch, right? <laughs> I wanted to. At you're least you're the kind of guy that would go to Scientology like <laughs> a session, just be okay. Show me what you got. Yeah, guy. Yeah, I do the
0: uh, the what personality test
1: just to the see test? like how yeah. it goes. Yeah.
0: Um, so I went to the timeshare presentation, and uh, I, I was stunned, Devendra, because. Even on its face like mm-hmm. with the most cursory of thought, it is a terrible idea. I, I just <laughs> we got so they, they spend, you know, an hour and forty five minutes showing you the timeshare location, uh talking about oh hey, wouldn't you love to have a home away from home, blah 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 and like telling you all about like how amazing the deal is and all the flexibility that you have and stuff. And they save until the last fifteen minutes, you know, the the sheet with the terms on it. Uh-huh. Right? So it's basically like this. Um, for $16,000, if, if, we, if we bought $16,000 of a timeshare, we could go on vacation once every two years. <laughs> uh, okay. At, you know, and, and, and that's it. That's it. And, and then on top of that, we need to pay, I think, something like um, – I want to say it's like $50 to $100 a month in maintenance fees and that the, those maintenance fees are where they get you um, uh-huh. because you need to Not pay those the sixteen thousand dollars no no no, that no because it's far more than a hotel that's right because yeah. uh, the maintenance fees you need to pay forever so <laughs> so even after you've paid the sixteen like even if I forked over a check for sixteen thousand dollars i'd need to pay the maintenance fees forever mm-hmm. uh, and and also by the way, the maintenance fees can go up like if uh, like if a hurricane hit one of the you know the locations. Uh, my maintenance fee might like quadruple, and I'd be on the hook for it. Mm-hmm. And those maintenance fees are where they get you. And uh, so it's like this is a horrible deal, you know. Like I, I don't understand yeah. why anyone would accept this. Did
1: you did you call them out on the terrible? No, deal?
0: No, no. But like we <laughs> we said no. Um, but it, it's just baffling to me because also by the way, if if this is for some reason if every, anything I said appealed to you as you're listening uh-huh. to this, you can apparently get timeshares. Well what's, what's funny is, while we were walking to do the tour of the Timeshare, there's literally a kiosk outside uh, that the advertisement is, "Hey, do you need help getting out of your timeshare? Talk to me." Uh, and <laughs> are you, can, you trapped in a prison of hell?": Yeah, no, that's exactly what it's like as and actually, you enter hell. And actually, yeah. by the way, so you go to uh, they have a website called timesharemen.com, Timesharemenmen.com. Mm -hmm. and this website is so sketchy (laughs) It, it is like it feels like a scam website which by the way like in order to extract you from another scam which is the timeshare itself right so it's like inception it's like two levels deep scams of like there is a timeshare which is itself a bad deal and then the people who are supposed to get you out of the timeshare also a bad deal I, I just visited that website
1: and immediately audio started playing. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> that's how you, that's know, how you know it's legit. That's how you know it's quality. <laughs> so, uh, man. Um, I, did they threaten you at all? Like, how no, did how no, no, did no. you how did that conversation go? They're like, man, I sure hope uh, your helicopter rides all right. No, if no, counts. they
0: they actually were very they were very <laughs> kind about it. Um, but I think they knew that uh, they were not going to sell us a timeshare, <laughs> um, <laughs> so they were trying to like fill the time by like talking with us about other things, like you know, asking us personal questions and stuff. That's um, cool because they didn't want us to like leave. You know, <laughs> like they don't want you to get up and just walk out before the timeshare presentation. They, they're supposed to keep you there for two hours. <laughs> so. Um, Anyway, the thing I was going to say is, if for some reason this timeshare thing appealed to you, which you know I hope it didn't, but <laughs> if it did, it is way easier to get a timeshare on the secondary market. Meaning, like you you, you can get a timeshare off of someone who already owns one, mm-hmm. because often those timeshares will be sold at up to a ninety nine percent discount uh, and possibly free. Like there's people who will who will want to just give you the timeshare so they don't have uh-huh. to deal with the fees anymore. So that sounds all great. Look into the secondary market before you, you buy a timeshare. And in general, don't buy a timeshare because, because <laughs> it's, a, it's apparently like a huge problem. Like when, when you die, someone needs to own the timeshare,
1: right? So really? basically you're giving it to your kids and then
0: they, you know, they have the fees.
1: It's a bad decision that just haunts your family forever. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. I'm trying to like think the of Babadook. another – I, I, I'm trying to think of an,
0: yeah, it's like the Baba Duck. I'm trying to think of another analogy of like you you buy this thing or you you buy this thing and your family can't get rid of it.
1: Oh, well, it's, it's like a curse with a witch yeah. in the forest. Yeah, as we've we which happens all the time. Yeah, it's, it's a modern day curse. It's a modern day curse. That's right. That's what a timeshare is. So, <laughs> anyway, that sounds awful. <laughs> Did you have any questions about South by? Because that's a thing.
0: Oh uh, no, I'm I'm good. I don't want to hear about all those awesome movies you saw. <laughs> um, but you talked about them last week on the podcast, right? I did. I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Favorite movie of South by. Favorite movie, probably Atomic Blonde. Yeah. It, it just maybe because I had no idea that was going to happen, and it was yeah. such a surprise, and it ended up being so awesome. And Baby Driver, it's good, but. Yeah. I, I've been waiting for it for so long and it's not like it's definitely not the deepest Edgar Wright movie, but it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Uh well I am really looking forward to both of those movies. So uh did you see the disaster artist by any chance or I did not. Didn't yeah. have time. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one as well. Glad mm-hmm. you had a good time at South by Davindra.
1: It uh, was great. I missed a blizzard here in New York. Like I actually I was gonna fly back the day of the blizzard and I was I, I looked at my flights and I was like, you know, Maybe I'll I'll just get home on Thursday. And I, you know, just called my wife and just apologized profusely. Cause I basically <laughs> left her here stuck with the cats trying to deal with uh, the blizzard for a couple days. So then I fly I flew out on Thursday and I got stuck in Atlanta. I had to call my wife. It's like, you know, I think I'm just gonna <laughs> hang out with my parents for a couple days. So I ended up I was gonna leave on Tuesday, ended up getting home on a Sunday um, but it was actually all time well spent, more time in Atlanta and some, you know, surprise time with my parents. So it was all good.
0: Also, Edgar Wright just tweeted twenty minutes ago that mm-hmm. Baby Driver is actually coming out on June twenty eighth, which is way sooner than the original August. Whoa, yeah, that was August. Yep. Huh. People they they're so they're so confident in it, they're moving it up. So I'm really That's psyched. a good sign. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm I can't wait to see that movie again. It has some of the best car chases I've seen in a long time and No CG, so I I tweeted it was his Fast and Furious, and it's pretty much
0: that. Uh, All right, so, Davindra, you were saying how South by is a better experience than Comic-Con. Tell me about that.
1: It is, just because uh, I don't think it's as crowded, or at least the way it's broken up is that there's the interactive section, there's the film section, and the music, and some of that stuff overlaps, but music, I think, happens right at the end, so you kind of miss out on those whole crowds. And from what I hear from regulars and locals, too, like, they just avoid the city during the music section too, because it's mostly really, really young people and it makes everyone feel old and sad. So that was interesting. But yeah, I, I, ch- I hung out and checked out some of the interactive stuff. Um, there are a lot of good VR demos and things like that. And, uh, you know, I did what I could during the film stuff. Uh, I did video interviews with Frank Oz and uh, Ron yeah. Howard, and that was a lot of fun. Frank Oz is. He is a mensch. Like, he is just so, such a nice guy. Uh, we even, like, included his outtakes in the video because he's, he's just so great. Everything he does is amazing. Let me tell you a Frank Oz story, Dave. Tell me a Frank Oz uh, story. Let's wrap up on this. Yeah. So we were, we were getting ready to do our interview. He was getting a little tickle in his throat, and I wanted to get him some water. He was like, no, 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 don't worry. I got this. And this is Frank Oz. This guy has been doing this for a while. So he just, like, took a second, cleared his throat with, like, the loudest <laughs> cough I have ever heard, like I, I like the decibel of like a roaring jet engine or something. It was very loud, and uh, this happened in like the video studio area of South by Two, like where all the other sites and media organizations were recording things. So everybody just looked at us because we probably like fucked up their videos a little, uh, or maybe they caught that in their sound. Uh, and then then Frank Oz was fine. He was talking just fine. That's just I thought in that moment we killed Frank Oz. <laughs> <laughs> That's how terrified I was.
0: All right. Well, I'm glad Frank Oz is still with us. To we didn't brief. kill Frank Oz. <laughs> Spoiler, he's still alive. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening to the Slash Swimcast After Dark. We'll see you next week, guys.